Hi, welcome to Pretty Much Done. I'm Julia Mazur. Today I'm talking to our new bestie, Kendra Allen. Kendra is the host of the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast, but goes by Breakup Bestie on Instagram. Like me, Kendra has been through some traumatic breakups. In this episode, we talk about her 30-day breakup detox course, what the one thing she would have in her breakup first aid kit would be, and how she and her current husband are the exception to the breakup rule. There's lots to learn in this one, and I hope you enjoy. Meet Kendra. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Pretty Much Done. I am so excited about today's guest because just like me, she has had a lot of heartbreak. She has created a podcast called the Heal Your Heartbreak Podcast. She has created tools for us to use like her breakup first aid kit, her content workbook for breakups, and as well as your breakup courses. I want to get through them all and talk to you about all of them. But Kendra Allen, I'm so excited to have you on the pod. Thank you so much for having me. I love the idea of your podcast. I'm excited to be on as a guest. Yeah, I think that we have had very similar pasts uh, with uh, toxic men. So I'm excited to get into it. And I know that you're now in a loving relationship. You're married. You have a kid. But obviously, on Pretty Much Done, we like to talk about the heartbreak that kind of got us to the healthy relationship. So I took a look on your website and you have them kind of listed out. And I was thinking maybe we just chronologically go through all of those yeah. relationships and and you can take us through it. So I don't know if this is chronological, but I know that you were in a toxic and controlling breakup. Can you tell us a little bit more about that one? I mean, honestly, that was like my first relationship. I wasn't in any relationships in high school. So when I was 18, I got into a relationship with a guy that was 30, which like now I'm like, oh my God, that's crazy. I don't know. At the time, it felt cool. Like, oh my gosh, I'm dating an older guy. You know, I must be super special. And Right. And there was like, I mean, it was such like a perfect storm of things that led to like being in that relationship. I was really young. I had very low self-esteem. I didn't really know what relationships looked like. So he just kind of like swept in. It was, I mean, it's honestly like a textbook narcissism relationship. And now that like I'm in this space and like I hear about so many narcissistic relationships, I'm like, it's crazy. Like they all get like the same book (laughs) of like how to do this because it's literally like the same. So, you know, I was totally love bombed. The first six months were like such a fairy tale. He was doing so much like future promising, like would call me like Mrs his, you know, his last name and would say I was his soulmate and like all these things. And then like on a dime, like I remember the exact moment the relationship totally switched and it was about six months in. And from that point on, it was like walking on eggshells for two and a half years. Then I look back, like there were definitely things that were done in the six months that were like grooming me to isolate me from friends and family, like a lot of manipulation. But he at one point basically said like, I needed to like change my phone number, delete my Facebook. This was in 2009. So delete my Facebook and we were going to like move cities basically. And I was at college at the time. I went to USC, which was like my dream Uh school. And I like didn't participate in anything in that at school, which is such a bummer because like I always had the dream to like be in sororities and like participate in everything. And I didn't do any of those things because I was in this relationship the whole time. So he became very verbally abusive, like all the things that 
he wanted to know about me in the first six months were then used against me. It was just so ugly. And we fought constantly, screaming. There was like a couple like incidences of some physical stuff. But thank God, after two and a half years, honestly, what ended up happening is I was on vacation with my family. He was there, but he went to bed and like I was up drinking with my siblings, like my brothers and my sister-in-laws. And Mm -hmm. I actually I got sober almost 10 years ago. So this was before I got sober and I was very drunk and I ended up just telling my family everything. And it was like the moment it like left my mouth, I was like, fuck, I can't stay. You know, it was like I never told anyone. Yeah. It was such a secret, like how bad the relationship was. So when it was coming out of my mouth, I was like, I think I'm done. And um, in a crazy turn of events, we broke up on that trip. We got home two days after we got home. He got hit by a car. <gasps> he survived, but like very badly injured. So I lived with him for like six months. He was in a wheelchair. Like it was really, it was really gnarly. So we ended up living together for six months after breaking up, which I do not recommend at all. It was torture. And then finally, after six months, we officially broke up. Okay. I want to back up there. So first, I want to know, how does an 18-year-old meet a 30-year-old <laughs> in like the, 2009? It's, it's the craziest story. <laughs> I'm glad I asked. Yeah, no, it's like, it's so funny. I'm a millennial, so we grew up in like crazy diet culture. So yeah. when I was like 16, I think I started trying to lose weight. And my mom, like, bless her heart, I love her so much. But she was like, I can sign you up for Jenny Craig, which like is not the thing that you want to tell your daughter. But like she was, you know, she was trying to help. Yeah. So she signed me up and he was my counselor at Jenny Craig. Oh, my God. So that's why it's like a perfect storm, too, because like talk about like incoming with low self-esteem. Like, hi, I'm here to lose weight. And then like, here's this guy that's like, oh, I'm going to help you do that. And he was like a trainer. So that's how we met. Got it. He was like, who is vulnerable? The girl, yeah. the like 16-year-old going to Jenny Craig. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That'll do it. Yeah. So that's how we met. And then I assume like anyone gets into a relationship with a narcissist. It was sort of like the, I have low self-esteem. He's kind of trapped me here. His validation, the highs are high, the lows are low. But I don't want to speak for you. Is that kind of like what it was like? <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's so crazy to think back on. Like, I don't even know if like the highs, I guess they were, but like I didn't have anything to compare it to, honestly. And like, I think because of the age gap, he would literally say like, this is how relationships are. Because like my parents never fought. My parents are, they're like madly in love. They've been together for like 50 years. So I never saw them screaming at each other. So I remember being like, I don't think you're supposed to scream at like in your relationship and he's like your parents are weird like this is like most relationships there's a lot of fighting and I'm like okay I mean he would literally tell me that like he was the only person that would like love me the way that he does like and he was constantly threatening me with like I remember one time we got into a fight because I looked at someone I looked at a guy at sushi and we like got in this huge fight and we went back to our apartment and he's like, I reached out to my two exes and they said what you did is so bad. And they said I should break up with you. And I was like, what? Like just so like really crazy manipulation. But yeah, it was like always like that. And by the way, like I don't know for sure, but I'm sure he cheated on me within the relationship. Like Mm -hmm. the rules were not the same for like how he had to operate and how I had to operate. It was like I learned like narcissists basically like change the rules like one day you could do the one thing and it's the best thing he's ever seen the next day you do the same thing and he's like how dare you do that and you're like 
wait, I'm so confused. So that's like, it felt like how my life was for a long time. That's the first I've heard of like the rules changing. Because yeah. I dated a narcissist and for him, he was very like black or white. But I don't know. It, it might not be universal. It might just be him. And it's so interesting. Do you know what his template was for like a relationship? Like, because your family didn't fight, married yeah. 50 years. Did he have like a poor template? I did not meet his parents the entire time we were together. And like that should have been like a huge red flag. Like he had like all of his family like had wronged him. Like he didn't have like a lot of great friends. So yeah, I should have, I totally should have seen that. Like there were so many things now looking back, I'm like, which it's like, you don't know till you don't, like you don't know what you don't know. Right. But yeah, he, right. I'm sure he had a poor template. I didn't, I never, but yeah, I like never met his parents and we were together for a long time. And it's interesting. And then this is kind of the last of that because we have many more <laughs> relationships to get through. But it's interesting to me that you just kind of had a word vomit. Like it was almost like you couldn't stomach it anymore and your gut was like okay i need to throw up on my family yeah and like bless my family they just listened which like that takes a lot of strength like for my yeah. like older brother to be not be like go pull him out of bed and yeah. like you know beat the crap out yeah. of him like yeah. my family just like listened very patiently and it's funny because i thought i was hiding it well i was not hiding it well like my whole family knew they knew i would figure it out at some point but like mm -hmm. i think if they had come to me and said i think what you're doing is unhealthy i would have been like i would have gotten defensive and not i would have chosen him over my family so i'm glad they never like put me in a position to have to do that yes and i think that's the lesson for anyone listening who's like a friend watching a toxic relationship yeah. go down or like family member like it's happens in the person's own time like any like lessons that someone's given me like i don't know even the small lesson of like you can't sleep with someone on the first date like i i'm just gonna learn that the hard way like you can totally. tell that to me all you want but i'm just gonna figure it out for myself exactly yeah we have to i mean most things we have to figure out by ourselves and it's so important to like have a friend that like feels safe because if you like judge a friend in a relationship they're gonna be like oh, okay check off like i can't go to you for this kind of stuff right. and you don't want to like shut that channel of communication off right absolutely so then you mentioned that you were in an abusive relationship is that the same one or it's the was same one separate yeah one yeah. Okay. It's the same one. Okay. Yeah, it was all. Luckily, I'm really lucky I never had to go through something like that again. Do you think that you were able to catch it or it just you just didn't come across it? So I think what happened, I think I was so afraid. I was so scarred from what happened in that relationship that I can't say I figured this out. My therapist pointed this out to me. <laughs> but basically, like, I was so afraid that I was, like, very guarded and I had terrible self-esteem leaving that relationship, going in and worse leaving. So what happened with me is, like, I ended up getting into, like, this string of, like, emotionally unavailable commitment phobe situationship kind of relationships because it was, like, almost a little, I don't know, it was, like, kind of safer to me to, like, mm -hmm. not be with someone that was, like, all in because then I didn't know if like it would turn at some point. So that was kind of the pattern I followed. But I know a lot of people, it does take a couple times to like not be in an abusive relationship. Like there's a reason a lot of people keep doing it. Yeah. So you went into therapy after or were you already in therapy? I didn't go to therapy until later. Like I didn't process that relationship until probably until like my mid-20s, like mid to late okay. 20s. Yeah. Interesting. So then that led you to your next relationship. What was that like? So 
the next kind of thing that happened for me was this was like right before I got sober. So it was I was just really like drinking very heavily. I like joke now, but like I would do the thing where I would be like out at a bar and I would like make out with a guy or sleep with a guy. And then I like the next day I'd tell him like my friends or my mom, I'd be like, I met someone. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, like I was just like so not in like I was not dateable at that point. So I went kind of through that phase. And then what ended up happening is like I dated a couple guys like very casually, but it was very like drunken mess kind of a thing. And then I got sober and I remember thinking and I remember my dad saying, oh, now that you're sober, like I bet your relationships are going to become very different. And they like they definitely did not. It wasn't like that's the thing. Like, really? Kind of, but like not really. Like it, it wasn't until I like went to therapy process all this stuff that like I was able because yeah I ended up getting into I used relationships to like solve how I felt so I first I got into like a really quick relationship with a guy that I knew from high school and he just he wanted to move in right away he basically was living with me after like a couple weeks and luckily, I was able to pump the brakes, I think, because I was, like, nervous of what if this turns. And then literally, like, three weeks later, I got into a relationship with someone else. I let him move in with me. My, like, mentor was like, you need to stop being, like, a dog shelter and just, like, letting people live with you. I let this guy move in with me. Halfway through living with me, he, he breaks up with me and says, like, but I need to stay another three weeks. And I was like, okay. Because I just, like, didn't know how to stand up for myself. I didn't know how to have boundaries. So I, like, let this guy live with me for, like, three weeks while we were broken up. So that was kind of the start of, like, this, like, situationship kind of a thing where I would be, like, mm -hmm. not the girlfriend. I would be, like, the person that you hang out with all the time. When I bring up what are we, it's like, oh, let's, let's, not, let's not push it. Let's not pressure it. Mm -hmm. So I went through, like, a couple of those. And then finally I did, I did meet someone who it started out as like a friends with benefits thing. Like if I'm being completely honest, we slept together very early on and I wanted more. He didn't. We did like this friends with benefits thing for like nine months. And then finally I was like, I'm either out or we're in a relationship. We're in a relationship for another nine months. So after a year and a half, he broke up with me because he never thought he wanted to get married, never thought he wanted to be in a relationship. And that was the breakup where I went through all of my last breakups. It hit me like like a train. Like I I remember like not being able to breathe, like just being curled up on the floor. Just my friends literally like were like, you have to eat, you know, it was just one of the it's just, you know, like a very stereotypical breakup. And it was because I was processing a lot at one time. Mm -hmm. And that was the point. That was where breakup bestie was born in that breakup. Cause I I finally had to start like looking at my past, looking at how I thought about myself, which that was the biggest thing, like my self-esteem and my self-worth was so low. And I had to look at like, what was my part in all these relationships? Because it's so easy to just say like, I have a bad picker, or I have bad luck. But like, at the end of the day, you attract what you promote. So that was really where I like went through therapy. I went through all this stuff over that next year. And that was 
where everything kind of started. Yeah, it's funny you said bad picker. So when I got out of my relationship and I met with my therapist, she gave me like a task and she was like, okay, like all your string of last relationships, like figure out what they all have in common. And I was like journaling over the weekend and I was like, well, they're all kind of like sarcastic, dry humor. Like I'm like trying to figure it out. Like what is she talking about? And I just like came to her the next week. I was like, okay, you tell me. Like, what is it? And she's like, well, like, you're choosing them. <laughs> yeah. Like you're the com- you. yeah, I had someone say that too. Like, Kendra, you're the common denominator here. <laughs> yeah. It's like in Sex in the City when the Carrie's therapist, I don't know if you watch, but she's like, Well, you're picking these guys, like all emotionally unavailable men. And I'm so resonating with what you're saying because I've struggled with confidence my whole life. And I swear it must be like a pattern of like, if you are not confident in yourself, you go to someone who's emotionally unavailable yeah. because that's all you can kind of like take on it feels the hit their validation hits better because it's like they don't give it often i mean i just think anytime i've been in a relationship it's been a reflection of like so like my abusive ex the things he was saying to me out loud were things i was saying to myself in my head so it was like it matched you know so if i was like in that state and i was with someone that was like telling me like you're amazing and treating me super well it wouldn't feel right it would be like whoa this isn't a match you know and then being with someone who was emotionally unavailable, I didn't feel like I always said like I know I didn't feel like I was marriage material. Like I I wouldn't look at myself and be like I'm a catch, you know. Like someone would be lucky to wife me up, and so that's what I was attracting. I was attracting someone that wouldn't commit to me because I didn't feel like I was commitment material. So I just think it's such a like I think so much of how we operate in relationships is just a reflection of how we feel about ourselves. Yeah, I think if if we all like love each other or love ourselves, like we don't allow the bare minimum. Like, yeah, like when a guy wants to be a situation ship, you're like, well, no, I am marriage material. So like, why am I even entertaining this? Exactly. I think there's also that point for me was also the first time I like explored learning how to be happy on my own and I think I always say like that's like a superpower you get from being able to go through a breakup is you learn how to be by yourself and that's another big thing that changed my future relationships because it's like if you think that being single is the worst thing in the entire world you will like like if that's like the bottom you'll accept like a very minimal relationship because Mm -hmm. you're like, it's better than being single. But if you think Mm -hmm. being single is like great and you raise the bar for what it looks like to be single, a relationship has to become like be above that because if you suck, I'm just going to go back to being single because at least I'm happy then, you know? So I think that's like another big thing that I always tell people is like, you do have to get to a point where you're okay being by yourself. Yeah. In your opinion, what do you think is like the worst, or if this is multiple things, the worst part about being single for people? Like, what do you think is like the biggest struggle? I think it's different for different people. And I think it's different for different age groups. I think really the biggest thing is like the story people tell themselves because they're single. So it's like because like they'll take I'm single this must mean xyz this must mean I'll never find someone this must mean I'm gonna end up by myself this must mean I'm never gonna have kids so I think it's Mm -hmm. like the projection that they put on that and then think too like 
I think a lot of people reserve things for partners. So they'll say like, oh, well, I can't wait to go. I'm just going to pick like, I can't wait to go to Paris with my husband. And it's like, we forget that like we can go with our friends and it's like probably be just as fun, like if not more fun. So I think too, like we tell ourselves we can't do certain things. And of course, there are certain things we can't do not in a relationship. And there's nothing wrong with wanting a relationship, but there is something to be said of, of being content with yourself and then approaching like dating and relationships. Yeah. For me, I think it's like the uncertainty. I think that that's what I struggle yeah. with or like that's what people struggle with. And I think that like if I were to tell someone at 31, you're going to find him. He's going to be amazing. Like what would you do today? Yeah, that's such a good point. And I remember a mentor saying, like, you should appreciate being single because there's going to be a time where you're married and have kids and, like, you're going to miss that time. And, like, as someone who's married and has kids, like, there are times (laughs) I, like, really fantasize about the times that I was single and could do whatever I wanted, you know? So it's it's, but when you're in it, like, that's so true. If someone could tell you you're going to meet someone at this age, like, I think a lot of people would be fine being single. But it is, like, the uncertainty for sure. So, okay, so you're, like, lying on the floor. I feel like everyone who's listening can probably relate to this breakup. Like, you're crying, you can't breathe, your friends think you're, something's wrong with you. Like, what gets you through? Like, what is it? I mean, my friends, for sure, they were, they're definitely, like, the heroes of the story. They helped a ton journaling I think I journaled every day during that breakup and I still have the journals and I like love I don't know I love reading them but journaling helped me so much I really made like a concerted effort to keep my life really busy I will say like there are times I burnt out because I was like keeping myself almost too busy but like couldn't really dive into the feelings too that early on I was just too like broken so it was a lot of distractions. Like, I joke, like, I watched the John Mulaney special that came out right around this time. I have it memorized. Like, I listened to it so many times because it was just, like, something that made me laugh. Like, I could recite most of the special nowadays. So doing things like that it was what got me through in the beginning. And then, obviously, we, like, start getting into, like, the deeper layers of healing. But... I just think like healthy distractions in the beginning are super important. I were I went to workout classes most every day. I was making sure I saw friends like at least three to four times a week. I just kept myself surrounded by people because when I was by myself, you know, I you go to dark places. Yeah. So you don't recommend like getting on the apps because a lot of people I've talked to on this podcast will be like, I just went on a tear. And I was like, I think a lot of those people are people who were cheated on and kind of want to be like get revenge you know totally and and break out of that i did go to vegas my girlfriends took me to vegas like two weeks after and um i made out with a guy at a pool party i felt so weird like i was like i felt like i cheated it was just like i was like yeah so no that was actually like the first breakup where i didn't like hop right on apps or like start kind of exploring things even like if i'm being totally honest i think like three months into the breakup I was like, I just want to friends with benefit. Like, I was like, I just, you know, I'm like craving physical yeah. intimacy. And so there was like a guy I was flirting with and ended up, long story short, we had a one night stand. And I literally, I cried right when he left. And I remember thinking, <laughs> God, this doesn't work. Like, it just got yeah. to a point where I was like, okay, I can't maneuver my way around this. Like, I can't just like, I can't, you know, I'm sober, so I can't drink. Like, I'm not dating, doesn't feel right. 
having sex doesn't feel right. So it was kind of like, I guess I just really have to like sit with this and go through it. It was the first time I was like, I have to go through this. But it was good because it like I kind of eliminated all of the things that weren't working for me. And there are things that will work for some people and not for others. But like for me, I had to figure out what felt good and what didn't feel good. And it takes some experimenting. As someone who's like a recovering male codependent, I'm realizing like with age that it's not like the male validation. It's it's validation with yourself. So like, yeah, it's like going to the workout class and doing the whole class like that's validating. Yeah. Or laughing with your friends. You know, it's like that kind of validation rather than the like instant hit of validation of like matching with someone or flirting with someone or making out with someone. Yeah. And I think that's why journaling so good because like at the end of the day, you can be like, okay, what felt good today? Like I feel like shit, but what felt good? What stuck out in my head? Like what really hurt today and what really felt good today? Mm-hmm. I had a friend that we did like a gratitude like text where she would be like, all right, at the end of the day, like send me five things you're grateful for. And so I had to kind of start like looking out for things that were going well. And I think that that's something we do in breakups. We just like the person's gone. So just like everything's gone. But we forget that like we still have family and we st- you probably still have a jo- like your breakup didn't take away your job. So I think doing things like that were really helpful for me, too. I love the gratitude text. That's a great piece of advice. I love yeah. that one. Now I want to go to something a little bit more positive. So you're married, obviously. Mm-hmm. Tell me how you met your husband. And yeah. I want to know your perspective on like love now. But tell me first how you met him. My husband's the guy that dumped me back in 2015. Mm-hmm. So we met, we both are sober. We met like in the recovery community. So yeah, we did like, we have like a really, like I joke, like we we have a kid now. It's like, okay, are we going to tell him like our first date was like, we slept together. And it's just like so funny because it's like so non-traditional. Jumping ahead to like the moral of the story with my husband and I is if you do the work and like focus on yourself, like you're going to end up in the right situation. That's like the big moral of it because mm-hmm. nothing went right. <laughs> I mean, friends with benefits, he had like a total wall up the whole first year and a half we were together. The right thing that we did is he broke up with me because he was just being honest with me. He broke up with me and didn't lead me on and he left me alone after the breakup. He never called me. And I'm really grateful for that. At the time, I was devastated that I never heard from him. But now I tell people like, it's a gift if you don't hear from your ex. I didn't contact him either. That was the first time I practiced the no contact rule in a breakup. And it was so hard. I had to send texts that I wanted to send to him to my friends because I had to like get it out. We were apart for a year and a half. Didn't see each other. Didn't talk. Nothing. I truly to my bones believed I would never see him again and like was okay with that like had got you know Mm -hmm. I was obviously really hard and nine months into my breakup I started dating someone who's great like a really great guy he wanted to commit like it was a good example for me of okay I've changed in the fact that like I can have these conversations around commitment early on I can hold boundaries so I start dating this guy and we date for like seven months. And while I was dating him, I, I went to a friend's wedding and, and I knew I was going to see Luke, who's my my husband. Mm-hmm. I knew I was going to see it was going to be the first time I was going to see him. I was so nervous to go to this wedding. It just so happened the guy I was dating couldn't go. So I went with a friend and I went right up to Luke just because I was feeling so nervous. So I said, hey, just like, let's cut the ice. Let's break the ice now. And then I actually pulled him aside later at the wedding. And I just said, like, 
I just want to tell you that I'm sorry for trying to make you something that you weren't. I know you didn't want to commit in a relationship and I kept thinking that you would change and that wasn't fair for me to put on you. So I, I basically like walked him through some stuff I had learned in therapy and I just said like, I am really grateful for the time we had. Like, I think I have a lot of great memories with you. And that was it. And I left the wedding and I, I felt really good about how I had handled it. Mm-hmm. And then three weeks later, I get an email from Luke and he said, it was really nice seeing you at the wedding. Would you be open to getting coffee with me? There's something I really need to tell you. And because we met in the recovery community, there's like a thing where people make amends. And so I thought, OK, maybe he's going to do kind of what I did to him, like make amends. So we we get together for coffee. And long story short, he had this four page written letter of like everything he'd been through in the last year and a half therapy he had gone to. It was the first time he was like truly single in like 15 years. And he just basically said during that time, he realized he did want to have kids and he did want to get married. And he had come to that conclusion. And then when he saw me at the wedding, he realized like, shit, it was supposed to be with Kendra. And I'm hearing all of this at a Starbucks, mind you. And like... (laughs) My first, you couldn't have. I know, I know. At Starbucks, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so intense. My first emotion was, I'm pissed. I'm so pissed. Too little, too late. Why are you doing this now? I'm fine without you. Why are you coming back into my life now? And I ended up leaving that Starbucks and saying, I don't know if you're going to hear from me. And that was it. That's how we left it. I had a friend's bachelorette party that weekend. So I, I went away and I talked to like everyone about it. Like I talked to my parents. I like called my therapist. Like I was like, hey, this is what's going on. This is these are my feelings. The first thing I realized was like, while the guy I was dating was good, like he was like better because he was com- like he could commit and all of these things. Mm-hmm. He just wasn't like he didn't do it for me in that way. And so I was like, OK, yeah. regardless, I need to end this relationship because I'm entertaining this other one. And then I realized like, okay, I'm going to give this a shot with Luke. It was like apparent enough to me that he had changed. I knew that if it didn't work out, I would be okay anyway because I've been okay before. I had some boundaries in place when we got back together. Like these are some things I need. And yeah, we got back together. He proposed six months after that. And we've been married for over four years. Crazy. I know you mentioned that he was the guy who dumped you, but I didn't realize it was like the dump. Mm -hmm. I think I didn't realize it was like the big one. Yeah. When I launched Breakup Bestie, like I had a party and I I, like in front of all of our friends, I was like, and cheers to Luke for dumping me. You know, like he's really like the impetus of Breakup Bestie. Right. Gave you your purpose. Yeah. Gave you a kid. Gave you a marriage. Yeah. All of it. Luke really. Yeah. (laughs) He hit it all. He killed three birds with one stone. Okay. Something that you keep mentioning is like, when things happen to you, you share it. And like you said, yeah. you talk to your parents, you talk to your therapist. And I think I've talked to a lot of my friends who are going through a breakup. And I'm like, you know, I didn't see this coming. Like, what's going on? And a lot of those people like bottle it up inside and it festers. And I just think that that's so wise to just say it because it festering is not healthy. Yeah. And I've just realized like, I think back in the day when I read like Men Are From Mars, Women Are From whatever I, whatever that book is. Yeah. I remember yeah. them saying like women process things out loud. So like I do think I process there's so many times where I'm like asking a friend for advice. And as I'm just saying it out loud, I'm like, oh, OK, I think I know what I need to do. And my husband now knows that like when something happens in our relationship, like 
I am going to talk to my friends, not because I'm talking shit on him, but because Mm -hmm. that's what I need to do. And when Luke came to me, he knew I was going to talk to all of my people. He was like, I wrote the letter partially because because he told me all this stuff in person. But he's like, I wrote the letter partially because I wanted you to be able to show the people that you were going to talk to about it. So it's like he knew. But I think talking about stuff is so important. And so many people when they go through breakups think their friends are going to get sick of hearing about it. What I say to that is like, your friends are adults. If you're really like dumping too much on your friend, they can tell you that. Like they can say, hey, this is a lot for me. I don't have the capacity to take that on. But like, it's not your job to anticipate that. It's your job to like, get this stuff out. And all of your friends have been through breakups. Like they remember what it's like. They remember you have to talk about it a lot. So don't I tell people like, don't bottle it in because you assume your friends are sick of it. Yeah, I think it's great advice for sure. And also like you'll pay it back. (laughs) Like there will be another. (laughs) Everyone has their time to like talk their friends ears off. Like you'll be you'll be the ear at some point. Totally. Okay. And then one other thing that I did want to mention is like for anyone listening who's like toxic breakup, they're like, maybe it's going to be Luke and Kendra. I know. Maybe. (laughs) So like, what is your piece of advice there? And like the lesson there? So I always say like, I'm the exception to the rule for sure. And I will tell you there's so many reasons why it worked. The biggest reason why it worked is because I got completely over him. I never waited for him. I will tell you, I would tell you I thought, literally, and I'm from being coolly honest, I thought he was going to come to me and like say he was like really sick. Or I thought he was going to say like he was gay. Like literally there were so many things I thought he was going to tell me before he told me that because I had gotten so far past the breakup. So I never waited around for him. And I think, again, the moral of the story is like work through the breakup and you're going to end up with the right person. For me, it just so happened that the right person was Luke. But like, I know for a fact, if it wasn't Luke, it would have been someone else really great. And I would have been in that position. So that's what I say. Like, I just never wait for an ex. And people will even say, like, do you believe in right person, wrong time? And I will still say no, because we are two completely different people. I still think it's like it was wrong person, wrong time when we were together mm-hmm. before. We're two very different people. I learned so much about myself in that year and a half that we were apart. So I still say like, I don't believe in right person, wrong time. Yeah. Do you follow Tinks? I do. Yeah. I love her. I love her. Yeah. I love her. And she, you know, she says like men always come back or their lives get worse. Yeah. But people will ask her, they'll be like, you said they'll come back, but like he's not coming back. And she's like, well, that's because you have to get over him. You really have to get over him for him to come back. Like, yeah, it's so funny. I like love tanks and there's so much good advice. I'm just I hate when people say exes always come back because I just have been that person that hangs on to that. And so I just like, I don't know. I did a podcast episode like do exes always come back. And it's like, I think they come back if they're supposed to, but don't hold out. Yeah, don't hold out because you just never know. And it doesn't mean anything about you if they don't. If they don't come back, it doesn't mean you weren't good enough or you, like, weren't that. It's just, I mean, I think, yeah, most of the, like, their lives do get worse a lot of the time, especially if you're getting better. Yeah. Honestly, since I've launched my podcast, I've had three exes reach out. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's so funny. Yeah. They'll be like, was it me? Like, was it me that you mentioned? Was I? I love that they're listening. I always think like, I wonder if any of my exes ever listened to my podcast, but it is really funny. A thousand percent they are. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, they are. (laughs) My husband never listens to mine, which I'm like, that's probably good. 
because he like loves you and he's like secure in your relationship. Exactly. Your exes are like insecure about how it ended. Totally, totally. So do you believe in soulmates now that you and Luke are together? So if you would have asked me this, I I think like I called Luke my soulmate in our wedding vows. I've changed my opinion on it and I don't. And this is and the reason is, first of all, I think soulmates are typically the word soulmates thrown around in toxic relationships. Like I think someone will be like, but we're soulmates and then act terribly. But you're like, oh, but you're my soulmate. So I think that I think soulmates like used a lot in those kind of relationships. And the other reason, I think if anything, I could believe that we have multiple soulmates, but I don't like the idea of like, this is my soulmate and then it doesn't work out. And then what you're done, like, sorry, you used it up, you used your one soulmate. Like, that's just not how it works. So that's why I don't like the term because I just, I get so many DMs of people like, I lost my soulmate. And I'm like, that wasn't, it's not your only one, you know, if like, if anything, we get multiple, but I just don't, I can't subscribe to the idea that if you lose your relationship, you're like done with love. A hundred percent. Totally aligned. I feel really strongly about this topic. I bring it up with a lot of people on the podcast and just in my personal yeah. life. And I think absolutely you have multiple. I think I have some friends that are my soulmates. I think yes. that I look at people and I, I've said this before, but like, I know this is morbid, but like some people have lost their partner. And so you're telling me that your partner has passed away and that's it. That's you're done. Like yeah. I've seen people move on and and that's OK. Exactly. Yeah. I think if anything, like we can look at your soulmates, just like someone you need at that time. So, yeah, I've had like friends that have just like been angels in my life for like what I needed at that time. So but yeah, it's funny because it's something I've changed my opinion on. Like I did. I think I called Luke my soulmate during our wedding and I'm like, I don't I wouldn't do that now. Cool. Yeah. As long as, yeah. If Luke's cool with it. <laughs> yes. We, we have to send out the press release. Yes. Luke, no I'm uh, amending you. this feeling that I have. <laughs> um, but yeah. So I want to pivot and hear about the work you do with Breakup Bessie because I think it's amazing the kind of services that you offer. I think the podcast is one thing and that's amazing. And obviously, I'm passionate about podcasts and people having a resource. But you have this workbook, you have courses, you have a first aid kit. So kind of tell me a little bit about that and like what services you offer, what, who you've helped, like all of it. Yeah, I know it's crazy. I think I've, I think I've had like 5,000 people go through courses with me. And I think like all of my stuff is about you. Very little of my stuff is about, I believe in processing what happened with your ex, but that's about as far as like, I think anything healing from a breakup has to do with your ex. So much of it is like working on you. And I think the gap that I really saw in this space is like, there are so many great accounts that post these like amazing quotes that like really make you think and like really hit you. And those are great. But like, I respond really well to like step-by-step -step guidance. Like, hey, start a gratitude list. Write down this in your journal. Like, do these things. So that's all of my stuff is like, it's very practical. It's very like, do this right now. It's not any of these like big kind of lofty ideas. It's very little. And I won't even call it little, but it's, it's more subtle. And I believe we heal from our breakups, not by like one crazy therapy session, we heal from a breakup in how we take care of ourselves every day. So like I give, I'm big on like routines. I'm big on the no contact rule. Like my whole detox your ex course is about that. I also have my 30 day no contact challenge. I'm such a big believer in the no contact rule. And I have so many people that 
were skeptical and have done it. And like, I have so many testimonials around it. And then, you know, I have a moving on after heartbreak course that does kind of address dating moving forward, but it's more about taking the lessons that you learned from the breakup and how are you going to change moving forward. So it's very like focused on you and not so much like getting closure from your ex or, or doing things like that. So that's that's kind of like the foundation of all of my stuff. It's it's taking care of you. I love that. So it's like first detox, don't talk, don't think, don't open the box of letters and all of that. Yes. Remove the photos from the house. Yes. And then once you do that, it's like, well, what did this relationship teach you? And totally. what are your non-negotiables moving forward? Exactly. That's literally like, yeah, step by step. Yeah, that's exactly Amazing. how it goes through. Has the workbook released? I saw that it was on pre-order. Is it available? Yeah, so it came out September 6th. So it is, yeah, it'll ship right okay, away. Cool. Yeah, so my workbook, there's like, it's like very much a workbook. There's like almost 100 different exercises in there. And it follows kind of that process of like healthy distractions, detox, really working through stuff and then moving forward. So all of it kind of follows a very similar process. But yeah, the workbook is a lot of writing. Amazing. Well, it feels like something tangible that anyone listening, if you're going through a breakup. And you can take it with you. It's nice and small. I literally have it right here. So yeah, it, I'm like very proud of the workbook that that came out here. There's so much in it. Good. Great. Well, I hope people buy it. If you're listening, buy it. I think you're so inspiring. And I think that this is going to be so helpful for people. I want to do a little rapid fire segment with yeah. you. I feel like I have some questions. They might be a little longer, but like I want to get to the, the root of Kendra a little bit and do a quick segment. Okay. I'll try to be as quick as possible. I mean, you know, how I love like a, I love a long winded answer because I, yeah. <laughs> I love it, but <laughs> you don't. You don't have to. So if you had one thing in your breakup first aid kit, what would it be? Friends, for sure. I think that's the biggest big. I think you can. Yeah. And if if not friends, it would be a journal, but definitely friends. Love that. I think, uh, yeah, a journal and friends is great. Yeah. Yeah. Because you, you write in the journal what you can't say to the friends. Totally. That's why everything. journals are so great. It's like <laughs> if you. Yeah. It's like a place where you can have a conversation with yourself, basically. Totally. One quote that you can tell yourself every day that helps you through a breakup. This too shall pass. That's like the biggest one. Just remember, this is temporary. This is temporary. This is temporary. Like it's, you're not going to yeah. feel this way forever. That I, I end every podcast with that quote. I think it's so important. Yeah. Kendra was crying on the bathroom floor and... And now I'm okay. Exactly. And now I'm okay. It's like, and it's so hard to think it's going to pass in the moment, but like, just keep telling yourself like, this too shall pass, this too shall pass. I want to hear about one moment where you were really happy, like your safe place. It can be a place, a country, Ooh. a movie, a song, like one happy moment if you would transport to. Oh, this is a good one. I grew up going to Wisconsin, where my dad's from. And so it's so funny because every time I go to therapy, like you go to the safe place. And so I like have this yeah. <laughs> great memory of just like laying on the grass in the forest, like right by my family's cabin. And that's just always like, and it's a trip that I took every single summer. So it was always like, that's where I broke up with the toxic ex. It was in that place. My husband's been a ton of times. So we just brought my son there. So it's like this very like sacred place for me. I love but that. But anything, I, I'm like a big nature person. I love being outside. That's cool. I, I feel like putting your toes in the grass, like Trump's putting your toes in the sand. 
Totally. I agree. Yes. I like, yeah. I love that. Yeah. Anything to, yeah. Being able, I love laying on the ground too. I don't know what it is. Like there's been so many times where I'm like laying on carpet in my house or like lay, just laying on the grass. I just feel like it's yeah. very grounding. If you could have one food for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, this is a tough one. This is going to make me sound like I'm five, but a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I just like could never get sick of it. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Do you like this Trader Joe's? Like, you know, they have those little like round things that you could dip in the jelly that's like their peanut butter things oh yes you know what I'm talking about? yes i have tried them yes no they're very good i don't know it's just i've always said like if i had to have one food for the rest of my life it would be that because i just don't think i could get sick of it but it's so funny because i don't eat them that often but if i'm thinking of the rest of my life yeah cool what about cats or dogs dogs I have a dog named Dolly. I love her so much Cute. so and i've never had a cat but i'm nothing against cats but i'm just totally a dog person yeah yeah me too <laughs> Who's your celebrity crush? Dak Shepard, for sure. Ah. Yeah. Is it because he's a podcaster? I just, like, fell in love with him on the podcast, for sure. But, yeah, he's definitely – and Luke's very aware that (laughs) I'm obsessed with him. So, yeah. Got it. Cool. And then this is the last one. Uh, The biggest red flag in all your dating history that you saw but ignored – Ooh, I think like jealousy and control. I think that's like a big one, especially it's very subtle, too, because it it kind of feels good to have a partner that's really that's like jealous and protective over you. But I just like have always seen it turn. So I think that's like that's the biggest one. I think that's good advice. Jealousy is a no go for me. Yeah. Control is not love. Jealousy is not love. Like, yeah, your partner obviously doesn't want you like being with someone else. But like if they're manipulating your actions and telling you what you can and can't do, that's a no go for sure. Well, that's it for me. I enjoyed this so much. You're such a happy ending. And I hope that anyone listening feels the same way. And I hope that they get, you know, all those tangible advice. I think the gratitude text is something that I'm just going to incorporate in my life in general. I love that. It's great. My girlfriends and I actually started another one during COVID, like right when COVID happened, we still have it going. So I like I'm a huge fan of it. So I still do it. But it's a great thing to walk away from. Love that. Kendra, tell everyone where they can find you on Instagram. Instagram, your podcast, all that. Yeah. So the best place to find me is on Instagram at your breakup bestie. My podcast is Heal Your Heartbreak, anywhere you listen to podcasts. And my website is breakupbestie.com. Love it. Thank you so much for being on. I love, I love this. It was great. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. Awesome. Well, bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Pretty Much Done. If you want more information about this episode, you can check our show notes. Go like, subscribe, and leave a review because it helps us grow the pod. Love you. Thank you. Sorry, did I just love bomb you? I'm not toxic. You are. Okay, bye.